Hello and welcome to Bill's Facebook class. We are studying on a Thursday afternoon in beautiful Tyler, Texas. Coming at you on a very, very windy day here in downtown Tyler. Uh, it's beautiful and sunshiny though, but boy, it is really, really windy. Hope you're safe and doing well where you are. Glad to have you joining in this afternoon on our Facebook Bible studies. We're talking through the F. Lagarde Smith, The Daily Bible in Chronological Order. And if you've never read through the Bible in a year, let me heartily recommend that to you. You say, but Bill, it's already uh, April, well into April. And uh, my response is, well, read today's reading first. And then if you want to try to catch up, you can. If you ever get behind, read today's reading first. <laughs> and go back and catch up when you can. And that way you'll be able to at least start from there. And I'll tell you, you may say, yeah, but I've already missed so much and I won't ever be able to catch up. That's okay. Just start right now and read through the rest of the Bible in this the rest of this year. Still a great and wonderful accomplishment. Can't go wrong reading some from the Bible every single day. And Brother Smith has a great plan and wonderful helps. There are not very many of them, so you don't get bogged down, but they really do help uh, establish the context and some of the setting and, and give you some little helps along the way. Glad to be able to share this with you. And we are in an exciting time in the history of Israel. Uh, King David is about to uh, be honored and anointed and uh, in a public way. Samuel, as you know, has already anointed him. Remember, we understand uh, when Saul was rejected, and we'll share some about that in a little bit. But when Saul was rejected by God as king because of his disobedience, he continued to be king for years after that. Uh, but God had rejected him and had called on Samuel to go and find uh, Jesse in uh, Bethlehem and to uh, find one of his sons to be king. And uh, they went through all of the boys and finally the youngest, David, who had been out tending sheep, uh, came and uh, God said that that's the one. And we saw the wonderful story, exciting story of David and Goliath. What a great, uh, great story that is, well known by even people who don't have much faith. They still understand David versus Goliath, and they get that. And we saw the great friendship between David and Jonathan, the son of King Saul, and also David's willingness to try to be as supportive as he could of King Saul, even though Saul tried to kill him on several occasions. David would not lift his hand against the Lord's anointed, as he put it, Saul anointed king, and until until Saul's death, David was um, was loyal to King Saul and to his family. But after his death, now it's time for David to come into power. And so we're going to read a little bit of scripture today. First of all, from Second Samuel chapter five, um, David uh, would uh, be king for seven years in uh, Hebron. And then uh, he would make his capital city somewhere else. And we read about that in 2 Samuel 5, beginning at verse 6. 2 Samuel 5, verse 6. The king, speaking of David, and his men marched to Jerusalem to attack the Jebusites who lived there. The Jebusites said to David, you will not get in here. Even the blind and the lame can ward you off. They thought, David cannot get in here. Nevertheless, David captured the fortress of Zion, which is the city of David. The Jebusites were the ones who lived in Jerusalem. That's what they were called, uh, the Jebusites. And so King David 
is able to uh, uh, overpower the residents of Jerusalem and take the fortress of Zion, which is what Jerusalem is referred to as. But now in verse 6, uh, it is described for the first time in Scripture as the city of David. And we'll see that mentioned several times throughout Scripture. On that day, verse 8, David had said, Anyone who conquers the Jebusites will have to use the water shaft to reach those lame and blind, quote-unquote, who are David's enemies. Remember, they had just said, hey, even the lame and blind uh, could defend the city against you, David. That is why they say the blind and lame will not enter the palace. David then took up residence in the fortress and called it the city of David. He built up the area around it from the terraces inward, and he became more and more powerful because the Lord God Almighty was with him. Then the verses that follow tell us about how the king of Tyre, Hiram, was able to provide lumber uh, for uh, David and to help him build his palace there. And as you know, ultimately uh, Solomon would take over for David as king and would build the temple right there in Jerusalem, a very grand and wonderful temple. David had it in his heart that he would build God uh, a, a permanent place for the Ark of the Covenant to stay and for the priests to perform their duties, for the people to come every year for the festivals that God had called them to come to where uh, that place would be in the time of Moses, looking ahead hundreds of years, and now here we are around 1000 B.C., and King David has conquered the city of Jerusalem and now is turning it into his capital city. Uh, it's a great, great statement. It's a great, great time for the people of Israel. And uh, David is called to be, uh, to be the king over all the people. Earlier in 2, king, in 2 Samuel chapter 5, um, it says, When all the elders of Israel, verse 3, had come to King David at Hebron, the king made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. He was 30 years old when he became king. He reigned 40 years. In Hebron he reigned over Judah seven years and a half, seven and a half years, and in Jerusalem 33 years. So David becomes king. He conquers the Jebusites, makes Jerusalem the capital, and uh, begins to build his palace, the royal palace, and then later uh, planning out the temple according to the law, and Solomon uh, being the one who would make that temple a reality. And so as we think about this transition between King Saul and King David, I want us to remember again today why. Why is it that King Saul wasn't the one? Remember when he started, he was so so modest, so humble, uh, that he refused to, to bring himself to the front, and they had to go looking for him, and he was hiding. Uh, but it didn't take long for the power to corrupt King Saul, and he became arrogant, and we see examples of that a couple of times especially in the book of 1 Samuel. Uh, in 1 Samuel chapter uh, 13, starting in verse 11, 1 Samuel 13, verse 11, Saul had not waited for Samuel. He had grown impatient, and he tried to do things that he had no business doing. Samuel finally comes, and verse 11 of 1 Samuel 13, What have you done? asked Samuel. 
Saul replied, when I saw that the men were scattering and that you did not come at the set time and that the Philistines were assembling at Michmash, I thought, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I have not sought the Lord's favor. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. Well, that all sounds good on the surface, but he acted disobediently, and he acted out of fear, and he refused to wait for Samuel. Verse 13, you have done a foolish thing, Samuel said. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. Later on in the New Testament, as we said in Acts 13, Paul will be on his first mission journey and will stop at the synagogue in Pisidia, in Antioch of Pisidia. And there he will speak and preach a sermon using much of the Old Testament story, including referring to David as the man after God's own heart. Another example of Saul's disobedience is found in 1 Samuel 15. And that's the one where he is called upon to destroy all of the Amalekites, God bringing judgment upon them. And yet, uh, King Saul does not. Samuel had told him what to do, but King Saul did not do it. Instead, he saved the best of the best, including the king, when God had told him to destroy everything. And so Samuel comes and he confronts him and he says, why, why have you disobeyed? And Saul says, but I haven't disobeyed. And Samuel says, then why do I hear calves and cows mooing? And why do I hear sheep uh, bleeding? And I don't, I, don't, I don't see how you can say that you've obeyed. And, and Saul gives the excuse, well, I, I wanted to save the best so that when you got here, we could have this wonderful worship experience. And, um, and Samuel responds to him in these words in 1 Samuel 15, verses 22 and 23. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord God delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the word of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Saul had a disobedient heart, and he tried to make excuses, he tried to rationalize, he tried to do great things even though they were not in accordance with God's word and God's will. And they were unacceptable, and they're unacceptable today also, no matter how they make us feel, no matter what wonderful experiences we might have, if they go against the teaching of Scripture, then they're wrong and they're sinful and they will not be acceptable to God. That's the lesson we learn from Saul. And it was such a strong, strong uh, disobedience that God completely rejected him as king and sought out someone completely different from a whole different tribe, Saul from the tribe of Benjamin, David from the tribe of Judah, and found David a man after his own heart, even though he was a sinful man, as we will see next in the reading in the days ahead. Still, David had a heart that was bent towards God, and he wanted to do what was right, and he sought to do what was right. That was not true of King Saul. To obey is better, God says, than whatever kind of wonderful worship experience that it might give you. If it's not obedient to the word and will of God, then it will not be acceptable. To obey is better. To heed is better. 
uh, to do what God has called upon us to do. We think of the great passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 7, uh, where Jesus himself says, Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name do all of these great and marvelous things? And Jesus says, then I'll say to them, depart, leave me, go away. I never knew you. Why is that? Because they didn't do great things? Oh, they did great things. Because they didn't have wonderful worship experiences? Oh, they had wonderful worship experiences. But they had turned their back on the will of God. Um, and that's what Jesus condemned. And he condemns it throughout the rest of Matthew chapter 7. And we see it condemned here in 1 Samuel as well. Well, the good news is, as disobedient as Saul was, David was just that obedient. And he had a heart that was given over to God. Not a perfect, sinless life, but a life that sought out God and sought to praise God, and sought to rely upon God, and sought to live obediently according to God's word. And when he failed, and when he sinned, and he sinned dramatically, as you know, he repented dramatically, as Psalm 51 and Psalm 32 tells us. Um, but for now, I want us to end this study today with a reading from one of the Psalms that is found during this time. And as you were doing your reading, you read this psalm. It's a little bit of a, of a psalm of praise uh, from the pen of David. We talked about the titles to the psalms on Tuesday, so I won't go over that again. But in this title, it is a song that David sang to the Lord when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all of his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And so it sounds like this is the psalm that David wrote and sang uh, when he first was over was able to overcome Saul and was able to maintain his throne and establish his throne um, in Jerusalem and so we'll close our our class today with this reading of Psalm 18 and it's a, a long psalm as Psalms go not as long as Psalm 119 but it does have 50 verses and so it reads a great song of praise uh, beginning this way I love you Lord my strength Psalm 18. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I took take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. The cords of death entangled me, the torrents of destruction overwhelmed me, the cords of the grave coiled around me, the snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. The earth trembled and quaked, and the foundations of the mountains shook. They trembled because he was angry. Smoke rose from his nostrils. Consuming fire came from his mouth. Burning coals blazed out of it. He parted the heavens and came down. Dark clouds were under his feet. He mounted the cherubim and flew. He soared on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his covering, his canopy around him. The dark rain clouds of the sky. Out of the brightness of his presence, clouds advanced with hailstones and bolts of lightning. 
The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. He shot his arrows and scattered the enemy. With great bolts of lightning, he routed them. The valleys of the sea were exposed and the foundations of the earth laid bare at your rebuke, Lord, at the blast of breath from your nostrils. He reached down from on high and took hold of me, David says. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. The Lord has dealt with me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands, he has rewarded me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord. I am not guilty of turning from my God. All his laws are before me. I have not turned away from his decrees. I have been blameless before him and have kept myself from sin. The Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in his sight. To the faithful, verse 25, you show yourself faithful. To the blameless, you show yourself blameless. To the pure, you show yourself pure. But to the devious, you show yourself shrewd. You save the humble, you bring low those whose eyes are haughty. You, Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. With your help, I can advance against a troop. With my God, I can scale a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. <clears throat> he shields all who take refuge in him. For who is God besides the Lord? <coughs> David asks in verse 31, And who is the rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and keeps my way secure. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He causes me to stand on the heights. He trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. You make your saving help my shield, and your right hand sustains me. Your help has made me great. You provide a broad path for my feet so that my ankles do not give way. <clears throat> I pursued my enemies and overtook them. I did not turn back till they were destroyed. I crushed them so that they could not rise. They fell beneath my feet. You armed me with strength for battle. You humbled my adversaries before me. <coughs> Excuse me. Verse 40. You made my enemies turn their backs in flight, and I destroyed my foes. They cried for help, but there was no one to save them. To the Lord, but he did not answer. I beat them as fine as wind-blown dust. I trampled them like mud in the streets. You have delivered me from the attacks of the people. You have made me the head of nations. People I did not know now serve me. Foreigners cower before me. As soon as they hear of me, they obey me. They all lose heart. They come trembling from their strongholds. Verse 46. The Lord lives. Praise be to my rock. Exalted be God my Savior. He is the God who avenges me, who subdues nations under me, who saves me from my enemies. You exalted me above my foes. From a violent man you rescued me. Therefore I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing the praises of your name. <clears throat> he gives his king great victories. He shows unfailing love to his anointed, to David, and to his descendants forever. Even Bill's coughing can't hide the fact that that is a wonderful, wonderful psalm. 
a psalm of David proclaiming praise to God for defeat over his violent enemy, probably referring to King Saul, over all of his enemies, including the Philistines, who time and time tried to get him, and how he was anointed king, and now people he doesn't even know serve him. What a great song of praise for a very blessed and great man, uh, King David. I'm looking forward to hearing more from the Psalms, one of my favorite books of the Bible, as we continue on through this section of the Old Testament. May God bless you and give you a wonderful and, and incredible weekend. See you later.